And it has to do with history and it has to do with the other pandemics that we have had to deal with as a human race over the years and the lessons we've learned and how things have shifted and how things have changed after such a tragic event happened. And now for something completely different. Welcome to Surrounded by Idiot Radio Podcast. So I decided to go on a little vacation and I come back and the world is completely different. Uh, hey everybody, it's Tony Dufresne, PhD. This is the Surrounded by Idiots Radio Podcast. And I know in a lot of other countries, and there are about a hundred and so different countries that listen to my show, and I really appreciate that. And I know you guys have been dealing with the coronavirus for longer than we have in the U.S., uh, but it, of course, when it hits home, uh, then you have to deal with it in on a more personal basis. And it is completely different now, and the pandemic has gotten to where we all know it is. Of course, I'm uh, doing this show real time on uh, March the 20th. So what I want to talk about this week is the psychological and philosophical changes that are happening and the reasons why uh, based upon the us dealing with the coronavirus. Now, I've talked about weddings before and I've talked about dealing with traumatic life changes and transitions before. This is the same thing, but on a global scale. It's called the nodal event. In psychological circles, basically, it's something that happens in your life that is traumatic or that changes things drastically to where you have to reassess things and reprioritize things. And that's exactly what's happening now. Now, in a wedding, of course, there's a lot of there's planning and there's issues and there's pressures on different people in your tribe and your inner circle. And you find out during those circumstances and weddings who's there for you and who's not there for you. Things are different after. The people that you're close to are different after. Your life is different after. And that's the same thing that happened to me and my family last year during my daughter's cancer, the leukemia and the treatment. It is a nodal event. And for those of you who have had a situation like that in your life, you know that when you go through something like that, there's a level of reality that you've been awoken to. And it shifts things and it shifts priorities and you see the world differently. And that's what's happening right now on a global scale, which is going to be fascinating to see what happens. So my first objective for the show is just to throw out the fact that what's happening now is a nodal event. And in as such, you, I, everybody need to understand this. Things will be different once we come out of this. Now, I don't know how it is in your country, but there's no problem with the food supply here at all. Yet, you have some people, this is such a panic interrupt for them that they look at life very binary, as in you have it or you don't. They also look at life very individually, as in self-preservation versus the understanding or more of a teamwork perception. And they're out there buying up everything. And I, even talking to single moms and moms out there that I know personally that I've had discussions with, they're like, you know, I can't even, I don't can't even find baby wipes. What idiot is out there buying up all of the baby wipes? Well, it's the doomsdayer, the one that doesn't have any trust in society whatsoever, and just looking out for themselves. Now the problem is obviously. That when you go out and you do the hoarding situation, especially when there's no reason at all to do it, 
you're creating more problems for the system. Even though there was no problem to begin with, you're actually creating the problem by doing that. Yet, isn't it fascinating when you sit there and you try to talk to people in regards to that? They don't listen to you. They don't care. It's the same thing as the whole split in the politics right now. It's because they're only focused on themselves and they don't trust the system and they don't trust anybody else to have their back. And again, that's pretty fascinating because that's, that comes out in other nodal events that happen in people's lives. Now, there's also people that in going through this process and in understanding the coronavirus and understanding the situation that's at hand and realizing what's needed to be done in terms of the social distancing, in terms of the information and the guidelines that are set out by the real true scientists and people that know what we need to do. Not the fear mongers, not the politicians, but the true scientists who realize that it's a very simple statistical pattern in regards to social distancing. In a number of different places even, if you, you can go online and they will show you the models exactly of the different techniques in regards to trying to flatten the curve. And the big reason is not to eradicate the this virus right away. And it's not to keep everybody from being sick, but what it's trying to do is is keep from a vast number of people getting sick at once, which will tax the system. It's the same thing as the hoarding thing. The hoarding thing creates a tax on the system. And then the stores can't keep the shelves stocked. It's the same exact thing. So they under, So they know that if you can create the space, it's going to slow things down and it's going to flatten the curve out so that the hospitals and everybody will be able to handle it. I mean, it's not even close to being at its peak. And they're, and they're already having a problem with hospital supplies. Of course, effective leadership would have helped out immensely. But of course, we don't have that and we have to deal with this. So that's why things are happening the way that they are. So that's the two ways of handling it. You could go fear-mongering, go panic and go hoarding and just think about yourself. Or you could be one that has, that has more of a proactive and, and more of a system and more of a teamwork attitude and try to help each other out. And understand that just just do your normal gig because the food supply is fine. And if we all work together, then we can make this happen. And we all understand what's at stake here. Maybe it's not your life because everybody goes, oh, coronavirus, it's not. It's killing off the old people. Well, yeah, but you might have somebody that you know that's older. Or what if you don't care and you're out there bebopping along and you're carrying it and you give it to some old person and blah, 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 it goes down the line. Now the hospitals are flat out full and you have a burst appendix or you get cancer and you have to go in there and you have to find some place to get treated and there's no place to get treated. Again, it's it all comes down to the perception. It all comes down to really your base reality and your feelings of where you are in your life and really what life is all about. Is, is it more about helping each other out? Is it more about being a positive part of society or is it more about just screw you guys and I'm going to do what I'm going to do and uh, you guys can go, you know, pound sand. Uh, that's the two different. Pr- and sadly, the the political leadership in this country over the past four years 
is actually promoting the latter. I can't speak for the rest of the world, although I see that uh, that some countries are doing some very, very good things in regards to being proactive, and that's great. The one thing that I talked about a, a little while ago was the fact that because this is a nodal event, there will be some distinct differences in the world and in your world after this chills out. Getting more specific and getting more personal, your tribe is going to be different. I think your relationships are going to be different. And in talking about that, I want to refer to a few things that I found that I feel as though are very pertinent and impactful regarding this situation. And it has to do with history and it has to do with the other pandemics that we have had to deal with as a human race over the years and the lessons we've learned and how things have shifted and how things have changed after such a tragic event happened. So the first thing I want to talk about was the 1918 flu pandemic. And I'm not going to get into the boring history of the whole thing because that's not the point. The point is, is that there, there was a book called The Great Influenza and it was about that. And what uh, John Barry had indicated is the main lesson that they learned from that catastrophe, which, by the way, in 1918, 50 million people worldwide died of this flu pandemic. And when all was said and done, the big lesson from that catastrophe was that those in authority must retain the public's trust. And the way to do that is to distort nothing, to put the best face on nothing, to try to manipulate no one. Interesting that the way things are going in the U.S. now, it's the exact opposite. Because somebody wants to make sure that he looks good instead of doing what's right for the country and doing what's right for the people. Now, interestingly enough, after that pandemic, human beings responded with a real sense of relief, obviously. And you know what they started to do? They started to search for community and relief from stress and pleasure. That was the Roaring Twenties. If you know anything about history, we do take a lot of things for granted. We do get into too much of a habitual routine. There's too much of an emphasis on just that one-dimensional Uh, get up and take care of stuff and just survive in life and keep our head above water. What this does, it goes, hold on a second. Maybe that stuff really doesn't matter as much. Maybe what matters as much is spending time with people that you love or care for or have fun with. Maybe it's traveling. That's awareness. Which leads me to Albert Camus, who is a, you know, Albert Camus is right. If you don't, then look him up. Uh, He wrote the plague and the plague was about this fictional Algerian town. And how he described the town was a crushingly dull port town. So this Algerian town was obliterated by an epidemic. And Camus explains in the book that the reason why it was taken out by this epidemic was because of one thing. And it was consistency. So he writes, the truth is, everyone's bored and devotes himself to cultivating habits. The habit-bound townspeople lack imagination. It takes them far too long to take in that death is stalking them. And it is past time to stop taking the streetcar, working for money, bowling, and going to the movies. In this situation, it's the same exact thing. It's about this tragedy, this nodal event, creating heightened levels of awareness and creating perspective shifts. The last history thing I want, to, I want to talk about, of course, is the bubonic plague. This is the black plague, the big one. And I want to touch on this real quick because I think that there's, there's a book uh, by Frank Snowden, and he's a professor of history uh, at Yale, and the book is Epidemics in Society. So he indicated that the bubonic plague killed half the population of full continents 
and had a tremendous effect on the coming of the Industrial Revolution, on slavery, and on serfdom. In terms of having success through these situations, the key was is that eradication is most likely to work when doctors, politicians, drug makers, the media, and citizens work together. He reminds us that public health must be the highest law. And I think if it comes down to it, after all is said and done, there are two things that we're going to see. The first thing we're going to see, hopefully, if the fear mongers don't take over and the xenophobes don't take over, is that it is a global community. That's just the way it is. This knee-jerk reaction to internationalism is not going to last because it can't. The world is not the same way as it was. It's not the 50s or 60s anymore. We're all connected, not just through technology, but because we travel so much, we're connected biologically. The second thing is, I think there will be a reprioritization in regards to health and welfare. Because there are a number of times throughout history where the downtrodden, the lower income, the ones without health care, the ones without proper nutrition are the ones that suffer the most because they don't have the immune systems. They're the ones on the front lines most of the time. We have to make sure that everybody's on the same page from a health standpoint because all of this will originate and will start to happen in the people that are the most susceptible. And those people happen to be the lower income people. So if you're not going to handle them and then expect you to be okay, that's why this pandemic is a indication or a symbol of the great equalizer because it's not something that you can whisk yourself away and not be impacted i mean unless you want to live in some mansion on top of the hill but again it's still going to impact you if you have a business because your employees i mean it's it overall we're all connected and that's i think the main point here to finish up the show i i want to offer some suggestions in regard from a psychological and a philosophical perspective on what we can do here. Well, what you can do, because most people will just freak out and start hoarding toilet paper. Why is it toilet paper? Can anybody answer me that? Why toilet paper? I did hear something funny, and uh, one guy goes, um, do you know why the toilet paper run is on? I go, I, not really. He goes, well, when one person sneezes, 10 people shit their pants. I thought that was funny. But really, I don't get it. I don't get the toilet paper thing at all. But in order to... So you will have those people and they will remain those people for the rest of their lives and there's nothing you can do about that. But maybe we can ground ourselves and we can be more proactive and we can take on a little bit more of a leadership role. So that's why I wanted to offer you just a couple things. The first thing is just to chill. It's to surrender. It's the understanding that uh, we are in what we're in. It is different. And not try to force any past reality because going forward, it's going to be different. The second thing is to heighten your awareness because a situation like this brings up a lot of new circumstances. And in trying to absorb those new circumstances, you're going to find yourself in a strange place. Questions you have not had to ask yourself before. Social distancing. When should I start getting into bigger crowds? Do I even want to anymore? Do I want to shake hands anymore? You never know. This could literally alter how we greet each other going forward. What all this is going to do is make you uncomfortable. 
And the key is, is to become comfortably uncomfortable and to accept that uncomfortableness and realize that this just may be that leverage point, that shift that you have been looking for for a very long time. Something that's going to take you so far out of your comfort bubble that's going to give you the permission to think about alternatives in your life, to think about different ways to live, to think about different things to do, to think about different jobs, to think about different passion projects, to think about different curiosities that you've had. Also, to look at all of the things in your life and to reprioritize. Forced isolation does a lot for the soul, doesn't it? It certainly gives you an outlook in regards to maybe some things that you may have not thought as important and that are important. I can tell you personally, going through last year with my daughter and the cancer and having her isolated for some time and not being able to see her kids for months at a time uh, changed my perception on things and reprioritized things for me. And perhaps that'll do the same for you. I think it also brings into question the people that are around you and the people that you may want to be quarantined with or not, that you are, uh, and also people that you think to yourself, it would be great to be quarantined with them. I think it's a great question. Look at all the changes. You're staying at home or you might have lost your job. And I'm assuming you're definitely not in your same routine. And that's creating space. And what happens with space in a lot of people? It's almost like the osmosis thing or it's like it's like the, the nature of gas in the world. It fills the space that it occupies. And we do that the same way because we operate a lot under natural law. And it's, we do the same thing, right? Because it's more comfortable that way. We fill the space. We don't like the empty space. We don't like the unknowing. We don't like the uncertainty. So we try to fill it. And it brings me to this the Reddit feed that I saw a couple days ago. And I'm not, he was a college student, and he goes, I don't have class anymore. I don't have to get up and go. I don't have my job. So I'm sitting home and playing games and watching YouTube videos, and I realized that my life is completely empty. So in the process of him not having to do that linear busy work that, I mean, obviously it's going to get him somewhere, which is fine, but in the process of getting out of that autonomic routine, you know, work school thing and just having all this space, he obviously filled it up with something that's going to sort of put him in a numb state. But after a while, he realized that, man, this is this it? This is not good for me. I'm not, this is going to change pretty much everything. And the funny part about it was, it was the fact of all of the comments on his post were guys and girls saying the same thing. Totally. I know that. Exactly. You know, I, I can't, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with my life? Now, I'm not going to say if you're in college, you're supposed to know what you're going to do for the rest of your life. All I'm saying is it's really interesting what this will do to some people and including yourself in regards to you trying to fill up that space. What I would suggest is being comfortably uncomfortable with the space and giving yourself the opportunity to explore certain things without going into the existential crisis of, oh my God, 
what am I going to do? Because again, that's the wrong question to ask. The question is, I have space now. What am I interested in? And again, going back to a past podcast, what am I curious about? What do I want my life to be about? What do I want on my tombstone? How do I want to make an impact? Those are the questions that should be coming up instead of being on YouTube and playing games for 12 hours. The bottom line is, this is a nodal event. Your life will be different after. Are you going to accept that? And what are you going to do about it? That's the show. But before I go today, I would like to throw this out to you because of the situation and because people are home. If you would like a free ebook copy of my book, Surrounded by Idiots, just email me, Tony at javabud.com, and I will send you a free ebook version of my book. No questions asked at all. And I'm not going to send you a bunch of crap after that and stuff. I would, though, ask one thing. And the one thing is, after you read it or if you have questions on the book, you need to let me know. Because we have to start building this sense of an awareness community. You can go to the website for other videos and podcasts. Uh, Of course, my podcasts are on every platform known to man, I think, right now. Uh, I hope things are great. Be diligent. Remain aware. Do good things. Be a part of the winning team here. Be good. I'll talk to you soon. To pretend I don't want to be alone. I'm calling all 